and welcome back to another episode of Immediacy, the podcast where I discuss all things entertainment-related. This week, we'll be discussing the DC Universe, including movies such as Joker and Shazam. If you haven't seen Joker yet and you aren't too keen on spoilers, I would suggest stopping right now and coming back when you have seen it. Our guests this week are Jake Peeplow and Jace Brand. Be sure to stick around to the end for the weekly recommendation and the weekly recap. And now, on with the podcast. And now it's time for 30 Second Review. Today, my guest will have 30 seconds to review the movie Joker. I'm here with my good friend, Jace Brandt. Jace, your 30 seconds begin now. Okay, I really like Joker. It it tackles a really, uh, really difficult subject in a way that, like, it makes it feel like comics are, like, becoming, like, personal again. Like, it's, like, really well shot, and they actually have some character development. Like, with Leto, there's no character development. With Phoenix, like, they definitely made up for that, and I, I loved it, and it's, not I can tell it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it I do think that everyone should should try to watch it if they can. Now I'm with my good friend Jake Peeplo. Jake, your thirty seconds begin now. So really what I liked about the Joker movie, oh well, I'm a big comic book fan and even though it wasn't uh, related to any of the comic book um literacy or literature I, I feel like it did a great job of representing what the joker is all about um the mental health issues and um the psychological freakiness of the joker was really brought to light in this movie um i think it is one of the best movies of the season everybody's going to be talking about it for a long time to come and i'm back with jake peeplo in the studio right now and we're going to discuss what we thought of the movie Joker. What was your overall opinion of it, Jake? So my thoughts of Joker, I thought that it was a phenomenal movie. Uh, the score um, was, really stuck out to me as uh, very in tune and in sync with the mood of the show and the mood of the film. And I think the filmmakers did a really good job of uh, cinematography and um, everything from a technical standpoint that they could do. Um, as far as an acting standpoint, I'm an actor. Um, I have to give, you know, 10 out of 10 to Joaquin Phoenix. I think he played an enormous role um, and undertook this enormous character and really this a symbol almost, you know. The Joker is more than just any one character. Um, you know, he's been around for a while and many different people have played him, but I think uh, Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of this version of the Joker was very unique and very original and very moving um, and very relatable also. He, and you know, you are, he is the villain, but you kind of feel for him and you feel bad for him. Um, and I think that is a really good testament to writing and uh, Phoenix's performance. Oh, for sure, definitely. I definitely saw that with his performances. Like, it's gut wrenching in that like mm -hmm. it it's so it's so painful to watch almost towards the end because it's like you've sympathized with him throughout the whole story, and then at the end he's he's going overboard in it, and it's just like I don't want him mm -hmm. to be this way, but I can totally see how this character got to this way, and I think mm -hmm. that's that's all in Joaquin Phoenix's performance, like mm -hmm. all of the emotion with it, all of that, and it's just like it hurts because it's like. I love this character so much, but now he's going overboard with it, and, mm. and it's phenomenal acting, I would agree, for sure. Mm. And the physical uh, toll that it took on Phoenix, you know, he lost 
so much weight when you see the movie it is appalling almost to Ridiculous, see yeah. how much weight he's lost and how thin he's gotten from previous pictures of him and seeing him in previous films and I'm really glad he gets uh, the spotlight again we haven't seen him in a mainstream movie for quite some time the last one I can remember is um, Brother Bear uh, as Kenai you know that was um, but you know ever since uh, his stepbrother or his brother River died um, he's been getting a little bit more attention so and really coming out on his own um, in acting. So I think it's really good to see him in this role. For sure. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the movie, I would say, overall. I, I think, like, it was a great performance by him. And other than that, like, just everything with the movie was so good. Mm. But it's also a movie I, I, I would say I'd probably not going to watch it for a few more years just because oh, of, yeah. just because of the intensity of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking to someone who uh, went and saw it with his girlfriend. Um, this is one of my good friends and it's a, he said the soundtrack and the score made his girlfriend physically sick. Mm. Um, it just, it has that much dissonance, um, and intensity. Yeah. Intensity was an operative word there. So yeah, it's a really good, movie and I was blown away by the writing um, because spoiler um, after we realized that his relationship with uh, the girl down the hall is completely a delusion yeah and the entire time he's been alone when he's been imagining that they are together um, that blew me away the fact that and I probably should have seen it coming, you know, but the fact that I didn't yeah, and the fact that like things were looking up and then he killed her and her he didn't daughter. kill her. He didn't kill her. He didn't kill her. It came out yesterday with what they said. Really? It, there was an interview that was uh, shown yesterday that said she didn't die. The daughter didn't die and he left them alone. And but that basically the only people he killed were people that like intentionally hurt him. Hurt him. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. When people were, I, I I completely thought they were dead. Yeah. I thought they were goners. Like, he walked yeah. out of the apartment. The police sirens were going. I'm like, they gone. Yeah. I was talking to someone about that the other day, and she was like, "Oh yeah, they're dead." And I was like, "What?" Like, I didn't get that out of it at all. And I really? was I was freaking out. I was like, "Oh, that makes it so much darker." Like, uh-huh. But. It's amazing to see that, like, all of his good relationships in the movie or the relationships that you think are good are just bad at the end. They're completely it's, terrible. They're like, they're and you, like made you feel up. for his mother, um, mm. and you feel for his mother until the end. Yeah. And then I absolutely hated her because you find out, you know, she was abusive. Yeah. Um, and she was completely delusional throughout yeah. his entire childhood. Um. And then it's, it also ruins that whole thing in the middle, too. I think the biggest surprise for me, and it was, like, saying that Joker and Batman would be, like, half-brothers. And I was like, that's crazy if, like, Thomas uh-huh. Wayne had, like... And I was like, this would be an insane thing into the story, and it would be an awesome, like, arc to have later on. And then it was like, oh, yeah, nope, by the way, that was like, a delusion. it was delusion. And it was like, ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it sets up... I know Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is a standalone movie, but, you know, it sets up the idea that you know, why Joker hates exactly Batman. Yeah. I mean, not be- just once he finds out who he is because he hated Thomas Wayne. And mm-hmm. um, Thomas Wayne, I was not, I wasn't very impressed with this depiction of Thomas Wayne. Thomas yeah. Wayne has always been, 
I guess it's just different, um, yeah. and I'm not used to it. But um, uh, personally, the actor that portrayed him, I can't remember his name. He's not my favorite actor. He was a lot more aggressive, and he was a lot more slimy than we've seen him in the past. And But yeah, uh, other than that uh, performance, I thought that the Joker movie was uh, outstanding, to be honest. I thought that everybody's performances were spot on. I mean, you know, even... I though I don't like uh, Brett Cullen, who portrayed Thomas Wayne, uh, you know, he uh, he played a convincing character. Yeah, for sure. I think I think a lot of it, too, was like we're seeing it more from Joker's perspective. So mm-hmm. it's like he does seem shadier and sketchier and, like, he's kind of rude to the outcast. Like, at one point he's, like, saying that people would who would side with this uprising would be like freaks and crazy people or mm-hmm. something. I think he called the it's poor like, clowns. Yeah. Um, and I thought the send in the clowns reference was yes. fairly, and on the train of, especially when Arthur first commits murder, I think that that was a, um, that was a very intense and like plot changing scene. Oh, for sure. Um, and they start singing, send in the clowns to him. I mean, he's laughing. And I think uh, the whole card and the condition um, was a really nice touch. What do you think of the uh, mental health aspect of the oh movie? Oh my goodness! I thought that the mental health side of it was just—it was just insane. Cause like, just the fact that like all all the stuff that the system says too. Like the lady is like, "Oh, it's not covered anymore." And then later on, it's like, "Is it still like is it still mm-hmm. a system that's working?" Because people suggest for him to go there, and mm-hmm. it's like, and that was that she, time where. Like, Mental health yeah. wasn't that big of... It's like... It was very taboo. Yeah. So they didn't want to fund it, especially if you're taking funding away from other things to put toward moral yeah. campaign. Yeah, there's, like, a point at the end where it's, like, someone... I think it's the person in the asylum, like, mm-hmm. the record keeper says, like, oh, you should go see a therapist or whatever, and he's, like, it's not supported anymore. And it's, like, oh, go to, yeah. go to a state-supported one. And like, then the uh, the writing in his journal... Uh, did you did you catch what yeah. that said? I love that. Yeah. It says, you know, the worst thing about mental illness is that people expect you to act like you don't have it yeah um and you know i've yeah i'm gonna be honest with you that really resonated with me yeah um but i think that you know it the movie raises a good awareness of uh mental issues and mental stability for sure and like the the idea that therapy is something that's it's not free it's it's something i think about as a college student was a lot because here it's like free for us to access we have access to it and it's something i've taken advantage of it at a few points but it's like after this there's not going to be anywhere i can just go for like three free therapy it's mm-hmm. like it's not something that is necessarily provided by the government for people and when you're going through something like that it's just going to be a difficult time in your life and there's if you don't have anyone to connect with on like a friend basis or someone to keep you accountable and stuff it's like you're out there trying to face the world on your own, and when you're fighting against your head, you're not going to be able to save yourself from it. Mm-hmm. And, like, just the idea that we need people to be with us and live life with us just so we can get out of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. is, like... You know, it, we're wired for it, connections. Yeah. And Arthur really couldn't find any for sure. connections that wouldn't ruin him. Yeah. So we made up one. Yeah. Know? He couldn't find any, so we made one. Yeah, he just had, like, a delusion that, like, led him through all these fake connections, and it's, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
very real, very hard subject. And I think the movie does, it definitely covers that in a very interesting way because it's like showing how someone could become something worse or more dangerous just because they don't have access to the right things. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, he can't um, afford medication or he can't get prescribed the medication that he needs. And there's a serious difference from at the point in the movie where he stops getting his medication, um, I think is when things start to go very downhill. Yeah. I think that is a major turning point. Um, You know, when he's in the hospital with his mother, after he's just found out this horrific news that he was adopted and abused um, and all the things that just sort of break him um, at the end. And that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. And he just, you know says, my life is, I always thought my life was a tragedy, but now it's a comedy. And then he proceeds to kill his mother, which was very intense and very uh, well shot. It was very well blocked. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was just phenomenal. The one thing I think is, like, is interesting is, like, when he's just his clown character, or, like, when he's he's still an actor, like a street performer kind of person, Mm -hmm. he's, like beaten up by all the people around him. But when he's, like, the Joker, when he's the clown character, he, like... I don't, it, it's, it's weird. Like, people rally around him when he becomes a symbol of, like, the oppression in Gotham. Mm-hmm. But when he's not a symbol, when he's just, like, a normal person, everyone kind of, like, beats him up and, like, uh-huh. hurts him for being a joke. Yeah, and it was, you know, the the whole uh, dream sequence, and then the that comes to reality that... He's on the uh, Murray show, or the, mm-hmm. yeah, the Mel Murray, or Murray something show. Yeah. Robert De Niro. Um, so he goes on the show in his dream sequence, and, you know, it's a real encouraging and inspiring time that he gets to meet Murray and live out his dream, but in the reality, you know, everyone's making fun of him. Um, and when he finally goes on the show, he has just, you know, put on all the full Joker makeup um, and introduces himself as Joker and just goes off the rails. You know, that scene brought me back to um, the graphic novel and the uh, coinciding animated DC film, um, The Dark Knight, The the Dark Knight Returns, I think it is. It's not The Dark Knight Rises because that's the, that's the uh, Christian Bale movie. Um, But yeah, that's, there was a scene where a newly rehabilitated Joker goes on a talk show and talks with this um, with this therapist and then, um, you know, perce- has eerie conversation for a couple minutes and then proceeds to kill everyone on the stage, uh, so the, the other guest and the host. And, you know, that just, that was very reminiscent. I liked that homage that they paid to um, original comics, and I liked that uh, depiction of the Joker. Um, and so... Yeah, it's just uh, this version of Gotham City is very different than what we've seen before. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think that Gotham as a city is very different. Like, obviously, it's like Gotham before everything and, like, leading up to the point where Gotham totally flips on its head. Like, Mm -hmm. there's all the oppression leading up to it, but it's kind of like seeing, like, a major city right now. So, like, say New York. It would be like if a city like that the governor or whoever is just very oppressive there and wants to like change everything. 
And then there's either... It's either going to be turned for the better or it's going to be turned for the worse. And this is Gotham when it's at its turning point and it just becomes so much worse out of everything that mm-hmm. has led up to it. Like like you were saying earlier, like the economic factors are just... So everyone's either like poor or like... We look at his house or his apartment with his mother and it's like... It's, it's not the worst apartment I've ever seen, but it's definitely like trashy for the part of town mm-hmm. they're in. And it's, like, it's kind of it's, a hole in the wall. Yeah, exactly. It's like this tiny space, and mm-hmm. it, it's you can tell that the economy is rough throughout the whole movie because you know there's people on the street begging, and yeah, and there's and, all the bills he, he yeah like collects and doesn't really do anything because he doesn't have the money to pay them. Yeah, you know. Um, I think it's a good precursor to everything we know about Gotham since it's set so far back um, in time. It's set in the 80s, I believe. Something, yeah. Yeah, the late 1980s, I think it is set. Um, And, you know, I think that that's a really good time to set up the Gotham that we already know, and the writers were conscious of that. And so this is really what turned it into the Gotham City full of crime that we know from all yeah. the Batman stories. Exactly. And we don't see we don't see anything like that before. We don't see any of the mm-hmm. crazy villains. We don't see anything at all. It's just seems like a normal city before then. And then uh-huh. at the end, it's just so much darker and everyone's like burning cars mm-hmm. and, and I think that makes it scarier that. seeing that yeah. normal people, your average everyday yeah, person could become that if left, you know, unchecked or neglected or if you oppress people, if you yeah. oppress a large socioeconomic class, you know, the stuff's going to hit the fan. Like, it's not going to be fun. Yeah. Whenever I saw someone wearing, like, one of the store-bought Joker masks or one of the store-bought clown masks, it just really made me think of, like, the original comics and stuff where they, he has all these, like, random thugs, and it's like, mm-hmm. you can't tell There's... if... You can't tell if it's someone, like, he hired or, like, in this version, it kind of makes him feel like they could just be people that he, like, picked up off the street. Like, oh, you're rallying for my cause. Like, I'm going to hire you. Mm-hmm. Like, you could you could feel like that would be And when the they pull him out of the police, the crash yeah. police car and then just wait for him to get up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I thought, I thought it was a really, um, it was a very different kind of movie than we've seen before. And I think it's a different movie... And we've seen all year. Yeah. Um, and I think for the time it was released, it is really lining up to be one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely, it's right now it's the highest, what is it, like the highest earning rated, rated R, R film. Film of all time mm-hmm. right now. Which it just took the spot of Deadpool. Yeah. Um, and so right now it stands Joker, then Deadpool, and then It, yeah. and then Deadpool 2. Um, so, which is, you know, kind of impressive seeing that... Um, the recent response to DC films. And I think, I don't think that's any one person's fault. You know, Marvel has, um, you know, I'm a DC fan through and through, but I still love Marvel. Um, I still love all the work they're doing over at uh, Disney and Marvel, but they have, you know, Disney behind them. And I think for the, for the budget of this film and for the lack of, you know, corporate, yeah, sponsor because disney's always got every single thing yeah they have that huge monopoly but then um you know warner brothers just pushed this through um and i think it's a really really good step for dc movies oh very much so yeah um did you know that uh do you want to talk about the news with um jared leto sure have you heard about that yeah i have so Jared Leto is basically, he's not going to be in another Joker film or any other 
DC films as the Joker anymore. Mm -hmm. And he was very upset about that, seeing as after David Ayer's Suicide Squad uh, made almost $750 million uh, at the global box office. Seeing after that, he was very upset because he had um, a standalone Joker movie and a Harley Quinn team-up movie uh, lined up that Warner Brothers kind of shot down. And, you know, seeing the uh, trailer for the Birds of Prey movie with Mm -hmm. uh, Margot Robbie reprising her role as Harley Quinn um, and uh, James Gunn's new Suicide Squad project, I think Mm -hmm. um, that is... I think that is an interesting uh, yeah. topic to talk about with Jared yeah, Leto. For sure, especially like if you remember, like four years ago, we we were told that they reco- they like recorded enough of film of him that it could like make its own movie. Basically, mm-hmm. it would be enough to was, fill that much time. And you know, and Jared Leto, I think, is a very very good actor, but yeah. I think he's also kind of an acquired taste yeah. because you know sure. all the method acting that he did and the whole. Uh, sending dead rats and dead pigs and bullets yeah. to his castmates, like I think that was a little bit overboard. Yeah. But you know, I'm not gonna question that. But you know, and then when he tried to, you know, make a phone call to get Warner Brothers to shut down the Joker movie, did you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he tried yeah. to sabotage the movie, and I think that um, I didn't think that was very yeah. professional. And especially as like an actor, that's like. Not a great idea, like, calling them up, like, hey, can we end this? This is my Yeah, he tried to to get uh, connections to that. And, you know, Jared Leto's performance, um, you know, following Heath Ledger, I, what do you think of it, Jesse? I think, so Heath Ledger was just iconic in his role. He is known as the Joker now, and Mm -hmm. just, like, it's, it would be something very hard to replace after that. And that was, what was the last time? It was, like, 2012 when the last one came out or so. And then Suicide Squad was like four. Well, Dark Knight was in two thousand ten. Okay. I think, and so then four, four or five years without yeah. seeing the Joker on the big screen. Yeah. You know, there's been some good animated voiceover Jokers. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. There's been some good, some good Jokers like that, but. Yeah. Um. As far as live action Jokers go, we haven't yeah. seen another one since Jared Leto, and I think that it's, left a sour taste in yeah. a lot of people's mouths with Jared Leto's performance right yeah. after Heath Ledger's. And I think the other thing about that, too, is, like, I think the directors and the way they wanted to take that film, they wanted it to be a different take on Joker. Like, you see his, like, electric green kind of hair and all mm-hmm. the tattoos and stuff. It's like, you want it to be a younger, kind of different Joker, and I feel like that, just that vibe that came with that didn't really strike the audience that mm-hmm. well Plus either. the Batman of that universe was very much older, and he was very yeah. Dark Knight Returns age of Batman uh, with the Batman v Superman, and I think trying to set it in that universe uh, wasn't a great idea yeah. by director David Ayer. But, um, you know, David Ayer is uh, directing um, a couple new movies, um, so we'll see where he goes with those. Um, and so I think that DC Comics, um, as a movie franchise has um, a lot of things that are coming up. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest issues with the DC universe, just with the movies has been, I, I, I really think it is on Warner brothers that they, they've, they try to get things done in like a year and a half. Whereas like Marvel and Disney have, they have enough money to like fund it for like four years of like, we're going to write it for like two and a half and revise it. And then we get the acting in, and then we film it, it and, and edit then they it. edit it for like a year and get it refined as possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas Warner Brothers has like a year, a year and a half to do their entire film. And the fact that this film has become as big as it has, being the number one R-rated film, and it has earned as much money it has, 
with only being in film for like a year mm-hmm. is insane. I it think that crazy. that speaks a testament and, yeah. to the writing and directing exactly. of the film. Um, and, you know, even the scene uh, where he is hiding from uh, the thugs in the uh, public bathroom and he just starts dancing and the music starts playing, um, you know, that's not, that's a risk. That's yeah. a bold move for film because there's a lot of times you don't see things like that. And there's, yeah. it hasn't, especially in a comic related movie or comic inspired movie, um, a lot of people, you know, you don't know how people will react to yeah. it. Um, but I think that that risk really paid off in this instance yeah. of, with Joker. Yeah. And I can't wait to see interviews with Joaquin Phoenix after the fact and after, you know, he has come off of filming for quite some time and he's, uh, you know, able to talk about things. And I hope, I don't think it will happen, but I hope that the character doesn't stay with him for too long. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because um, that was Heath Ledger's problem. And Joker, really, um, as an actor, playing insane characters is extremely yeah. difficult. Especially with, like, method acting. Like mm-hmm. Method acting is not good. Yeah. You know, it, it gets a result, but yeah. it's it's not a good way to go about it. And I yeah. think um, that's a lot of... And, you know, film hasn't seen uh, an intense method actor yeah. since Heath Ledger or since Jared yeah. Leto. Um, you know, Jared Leto goes above and beyond for all of his movies. You know, for Dallas Buyers Club, he was cross-dressing for the entire time of the film and shaved his eyebrows off for Suicide Squad. And, you know, and so um, I think Joaquin Phoenix's approach to acting the character was very great, very stylistic and very um, a very healthy way to approach the character because I don't think he slipped into that much... Yeah. All the joke, all joker, all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And I think another thing I would say is like one of the problems with the DC universe is like they're trying to do what Marvel's doing, where they have like this whole elaborate universe. Mm-hmm. And I think from especially from what we've seen with this, like I think character portrayals and like stuff like this would sell a lot more for them mm-hmm. if they just did like. Like, I think Marvel should do that, too. I think we could have very distinct character portraits from each people, mm-hmm. from each group. And I think that would be very interesting to see. And secondly, like, when you do something like this, you can just go so far in with the character that, you know, like, in this in this case, we saw how someone be- went from, like, being a lesser person to, like, going full out into his mental illness and full out into everything that he was opposed to originally, and, like, if we could see this with other characters in the universe, I think that would be awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I feel and, you like... you know, we might um, with the uh, 2020 Batman film yeah. starring Robert Pattinson. Yeah. I have really high hopes for that because, you know, Robert Pattinson's late 30s or early, to mid to late 30s. He's a really uh, good actor. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's seen a lot of big screen time uh, since, you know, Twilight. Yeah. But... Um, you know, you know that's what he was known for, um, and that was a large franchise in and of itself. But I think yeah. that um, that him as the Batman uh, will be a very good re- good test of the DC film universe, whether or not they dive into Batman's character or they just start us in the middle. Um, yeah. I think there's pros and cons to both. But you know, yeah, uh, I'm excited for the Robert Pattinson uh, Batman film. 
Yeah, for sure from like a writing perspective, like I feel like if if you don't have it in this huge universe, you can just focus on it so much more mm-hmm. and not just say, oh, this has to tie in later, so we'll leave this part loose-ended. And I feel like one of the biggest problems with Joker and Suicide Squad is like there's not any character building in it. It's like exactly. there's this guy, he has like five and a half minutes of screen time, it feels. Yeah. Uh, and even like, in the director's yeah. cut when there was like extended things. Yeah. For the amount of time that they spent filming the Joker, um, and what I've read, you know, Jared Leto would sometimes just go off on tangents yeah. off script and just improvise, you know, yeah. fifteen or so minutes of of film. Yeah. And of and you know, it's just ending up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And exactly. So I don't think that that was very conducive to the filming. Yeah. And I think we as an audience missed a ton of, like you said, the character building of the Joker because it was basically not focused on him at all and he was yeah, at most a cameo. Yeah, and I could see why you'd be upset after that because it's like, I put so much into this character and it's like, first off, now someone else is getting to play with that character mm-hmm. and now it's like, he's not even going to be in it anymore and it's like, I don't know. It's it would just be very difficult as an actor to get that invested into your character, but end up with like fifteen minutes of screen time and like not being able to be that character yeah. anymore too. And I think that the disappointing thing from an audience's perspective is that you know we didn't get to see what led up to that. You know, all the yeah. other members of the Suicide Squad, we basically got to look into how they came about. Um, you know, we got that little snippet at the beginning. Um, but, you know, we just, you know, we learned about Deadshot's daughter and we learned about Mar, um, Marco Robbie's Harley Quinn. We learned about Killer Croc. We learned all those, all those stuff that made us, you know, more related to the characters. Um, yeah, but I think that we didn't get that with the Joker and it was, that was what was detrimental. Yeah. I think the last thing I would say with the Joker is like, as a movie, it's very different from what we see in other forms of media. If you see, like, the Netflix superhero shows or if you see, like, the Flash on CW, all the villains in that, I feel like most of them start off with, like, already, like, a dark life, like, they're already thugs, and then they're enabled with that power to become something bad. But when you see this character as Joker, it's like, he was someone who loved life. He loved what he was doing. He, while while going through all of the mental illness he struggled with, Mm -hmm. he, he still had a brighter outlook on life almost. And he just wanted to make then, people smile. Yeah, he wanted to make people smile. That was his ultimate goal in life. And then seeing someone that who lives that way, who lives in that kind of life where you want to brighten other people's day no matter how terrible your day is, and going from that person to being the opposite when given power, like being, I I don't care what other people think. Like, I, I like it that people are enjoying what I'm doing. He's very, he's, yeah. it's very much more selfish, but it's also, you know, like. And it's more, he, it's more free for yeah. him. And I think yeah. that um, instead of, you know, hiding his smile because, you know, he's literally insane. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, derives his pleasure from all of this uh, chaos which is a really good word to sum up Joker as a character and as a as a um, concept. Yeah, is chaos, and so um, yeah. Overall, I would uh, I would highly recommend Joker. Um, go spend more money on it, so it can just <laughs> it just get more money. It's gonna get more money anyway, so you might as well go spend money <laughs> on it. I'd go see it again if I had if I had some people to go see it with. So yeah. 
I kind of want to see it again. I don't know. It was it was intense enough that I might not see it for a while. But oh, yeah. seeing as much as I enjoyed it and I feel like it's something that's very important to talk about, I feel like I might go see it again. That was the end of Jake's and my discussion about Joker movie. And I know you probably expected to hear Jace at this point. However, this episode is long enough already and... The fact that Jake and I talked about Joker for about 32 minutes and Jason and I talked about him for about 30 minutes, I figured we'd edit this and let it be two separate episodes, so one main episode and then a special episode with Jace talking about Shazam. And now it's time for the weekly recap. And since so much has happened since the last episode, I'm going to try to keep this a little shorter. In games, fast food chain Wendy's has released a new role-playing game, Feast of Legends, which is a game much like D&D where players can benefit on their roles from eating at Wendy's. Magic the Gathering has recently released its newest set, Thrones of Eldraine, based on classic fairy tales. In movies, the final trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker has been released. In music, the 2019 Dove Awards gave awards to the best of Christian artists this year, including Lauren Daigle, Toby Mac, and Aaron Cole. Kanye West finally released his album, Jesus is King, featuring songs about Chick-fil-A and religious icons. On a sad note, Truett McKeon, rapper and son of Christian artist Toby Mac, has passed away at the age of 21 with an undetermined cause of death. And my recommendation for this week is the TV series Veronica Mars. It came out almost 15 years ago, and it's about a girl who lives in a town filled with Hollywood celebrities and their children. She solves crimes and tries to figure out why her best friend was murdered. Her dad is disgraced as the town sheriff and fired from his job. It's really interesting. It's an older show, but it has a good style of comedy in it, and it has some of the best writing in a TV show I've watched in a while. So that's it for the podcast today. Remember to check out the other podcasts that will feature Jason and I talking about Shazam and the Joker movie. And I guess I'm going to let this episode end with a little beat made by our guest Jake today. Do <laughs> do